This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.48 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run with Shazana, Philip and Jensen. Now, immigration detention centers in Malaysia are far from conducive environments for children, especially given the overcrowded and hygienic conditions at the best of times. And yet, over 1,700 children were held in immigration detention as of July last year. Under international law, immigration detention of children is considered a human rights violation. Children should not be detained on grounds related to their own or their parents' migration status. The government is taking action to abide by these laws. According to Home Minister Datot Sri Saifuddin Nasuchon Ismail, children who are detained at immigration detention depots will soon be moved out and placed under the care of NGOs specialising in children welfare. Now, the issue of children in immigration detention was highlighted by Suhakam two weeks ago when it expressed concern over the welfare of 36 children who were rounded up in a raid on migrant settlement in Nilai earlier this month. What policy measures need to be taken to ensure the protection and safety of migrant children in Malaysia? For some thoughts on this, we have on the line with us Dr. Hartini Zainuddin, child's rights activist and co-founder of Yayasan Chowkit. Good morning, Tini. It's always good to have you. Now, the announcement by the Home Minister that children in immigration detention will be moved to welfare NGOs for care is very welcome. But why are these children detained in the first place? And what do we know about the circumstances in which these children are held? there yeah well um currently under the malaysian immigration law um refugees people seeking asylum and um, undocumented migrant workers as well as anyone else who unlawfully enters or remains in malaysia um contrary to malaysian can you hear me sorry yes we can hear you loud and clear um contrary to to malaysian's immigration act 1959 is at risk of immigration detention so this means children or people who are seriously ill, pregnant, and new mothers all can be de- detained, mm. uh, regardless of whether they are vulnerable or not. And so, yeah, so we have in detention uh, very young children and babies, um, which is against international norms. Do we know, I guess, the extent of this, like the numbers of yeah. uh, young children or children yeah. being detained at the moment? Yeah, the numbers are quite high. Um, we don't know the total numbers, but for unaccompanied or separated children, there's something like 800 children in detention right now. Now, we hear the minister has said that he's going to get involved in this whole process. Yeah. Can you help us understand what is the action now that the government is going to take to address the issue? Well, we've been in talks with the minister the first day he went into the office. Mm. Um, so um, the talk of ATD, alternative to detention of children, has been going on since he came into your office the first day. And we've been working with um, him and his office on releasing um, the children and reviving the ATD program that was approved by cabinet last year. So, so you know, this is, this is not, not something that he suddenly announced. This was actually something he actually has been working with us on. Um, so... Yeah, so so um, what he's going to do is to, which is actually he did it within two days of us, um, you know, sort of solidifying um, who who could come out first. Um, he said that, you know, so basically children under three years old will be able to come out first. So mm-hmm. we NGOs are scrambling and making sure that, you know, we have the, the shelters in place and, and the SOPs and the criteria, which we will discuss with the interagency, so with KDN, Home Affairs, Ministry of Women, 
um, Ministry of Health, um, etc., to sort of sit down and, and really solidify the program and um, and the parameters of how the children can be released. Um, but yeah, we need strong criteria and parameters about um, you know guiding the process of release and how the, the littlest, the smallest will come out mm. first. So the release is basically executed in phases. Is it very easy to find housing, you know, and shelter and care for those that are being released gradually? Well, that too, yes, that as well as the, the fact that these children need to be with their families, right? If we're, we're, we're releasing, the Home Minister is um, releasing unaccompanied and separated children, and we need to do trust tracing and reunification and see, you know, exactly where and how long we need to, you know, shelter and protect the children and how they can be reunited with their family members. And after... Um, yeah. Yes, sorry. And Dr. Tini, but without proper regulations and guidelines in place, this issue will likely recur again. So what must change in order to protect the rights of children, regardless if they are immigrants or stateless citizens? Oh, well, I think, first of all, I, I think it's wonderful. <coughs> sorry, that the children be released. But it has to, <coughs> the policy has to follow this. We have to change and actually, you know, be firm about the fact that children cannot, should not, must not uh, be detained at all and that the best interest of the child must be prioritised. And so it cannot be, you know, exactly as you say, a one-off release. There has to be processes in place. The ministries have to be involved, especially JKM under the Ministry of Women. Mm. NGOs need access to detention centres for, for screening prior to release. We don't know who is where. Why, why are their babies separated from their children? You know, and how is this going to work? Is this release of children going to be on a rolling basis? We talk about the unaccompanied children for now, but there are other children, in fact, more children who are with family members and stuff. How is this going to work? But like I said, it's taken 10 years to get this far. So mm. let's see what happens. How well trained are, um, I guess, officials or authorities when it, in, when it comes to uh, how they deal with the children that are detained? Do you, is there enough mainstreaming in terms of training and understanding of what the international laws are and how children should be managed? No, there isn't. Um, in fact, I gave training um, under with UNODC. A couple of us were trainers under UNODC, the United Nations Office of Drugs and Crime, to sort of give an overview on what anti-trafficking was and how to do victim identification. Mm. Um, to some of the authorities two weeks ago, um, you know, for three days, you know, sitting down and talking to them. And it was their first training on the subject matter, um, you know, in terms of looking at what the interest of the child is or child rights, etc. and stuff. So, yeah, I think we need to, to, to understand, uh, you know, that shelter um, is the last resort in protecting children. Shelter, you know, within institutions, within government is not the first resort. It doesn't mean the child is safe if you place them with families in detention centre. That is not best interest of the child. So we made some progress, perhaps not enough. The minister has also said that, that you know, he hopes that uh, Malaysia's Tier 3 ranking in the U.S. Trafficking in Persons report will improve. Do you expect our ranking to change anytime soon, though? I work on that. Well, okay, so I told you about the training with, with the authorities a couple of weeks ago on anti-trafficking. Um, yes, I think I think we can definitely improve. I think the ministry and, and this minister is taking steps to, um, you know, um, sort of involve um, the different stakeholders in this. And we've actually had um, so many consultation meetings with MAPO, with the Majlis Anti-Pumapur Medagangan, 
um, councils and we had, you know, we had workshops with UNICEF and Engender, you know. So there has been, you know, a sort of a multi-sectorial um, concerted effort to, to address this issue and to look at what the gaps are. Um, so if before there was not much in terms of um, child protection and, and victim identification when it comes to children, there is more now. You know, we, we're speaking more, we're talking more, we're doing training. Um, you know, we've been asked to volunteer to be, you know, victim assistant um, volunteers, etc. So, yeah, I hope I hope we do because you can really you can really see things moving this year, and it's only February. So I'm I'm quite happy. So I'm I'm, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if we move up in the ranks this year. Actually, if this continues. It's nice to hear you sounding more optimistic, Tini, than I guess in previous conversations we've had with you. Uh, very quickly, in the minute or so that we have, um, there were reports that Sabah state government um, will be, uh, I guess, building a temporary shelter that will allow stateless children in Sabah to undergo uh, training on basic living skills once it's completed. Is this, uh, is this a positive step forward? Is this something that needs to be emulated in other states as well, do you think? Well, I'd love to see how that works. Um, um, yes, I think, you know, skills is important, but I'd love to see what the shelter looks like. I mm. mean, if it's a shelter where, you know, children get skills and then are deported or detained, that's not, that's not going to be very uh, conducive or productive. Um, so, so, yes, it would, be, it would be great and it would be wonderful to have children have skills. But remember that institutional care and um, institutional shelters, etc., are not cases that are conducive to the rights of the child. Mm. So they have to go home. At some time, be with families, but definitely not detained. Mm. Dini, thank you so much for speaking with us. That was Dr. Hartini Zainuddin, child rights activist and co-founder of Yayasan Chowkit, helping us understand what happens to children when they're detained at immigration centres, as well as the kinds of efforts the government is taking to address this issue. So it seems that they're being released, children, I think youngest, most vulnerable first. Whether or not we can, as you say, address the root cause is one, and then eventually reunite them with their parents, that's the priority. That's right, and really making sure that enough resources are given to this scheme, because I think the alternative to detention scheme is a good one. Uh, let's see how this plays out. 7.59 in the morning. We're heading into the 8am news bulletin and then after that, on the breakfast grill, Philip C. speaks to His Excellency Emir Salim Yüksel, the ambassador of Turkey to Malaysia. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.